0: Now on to the podcast. Support for this episode is brought to you by the Headset app. Are you looking for a simple solution for coach to catcher communication for the season that doesn't require bulky hardware in the dugout? Traditional communication gear can be a headache to set up and carry from game to game. But what if there's a game-changing solution? Introducing the Headset app, your new MVP in communication for coaches and catchers. Enjoy crystal clear ultra HD audio without the major league price tag. It's compatible with any Bluetooth headset or earbuds. Say goodbye to tangled wires and extra hardware. Ready to step up to the plate? Download the headset app for free today. Getting started is as easy as a home run trot. Create your account, invite your team, and start calling pitches. The headset app is ready for download in the App Store and on Google Play. Swing for the fences and download today to get a five-day free trial. And for a limited time, use abca 24 when you buy your pass for next season and save 10%. Find out more at theheadsetapp.com. Next up on the ABCA podcast is 2024 ABCA Hall of Fame class inductee Brian O'Connor. O'Connor is a five-time ACC Coach of the Year and three-time National Coach of the Year. Virginia was named the ACC Program of the Decade by d1baseball.com. O'Connor's heading into his 21st season as head coach of the Cavaliers. In O'Connor's tenure with the Cavaliers, they've won one national championship in 2015, Six College World Series appearances, 14 straight NCAA tournament appearances, and nine NCAA regional championships. O'Connor has 839 wins at UVA, and his 704 winning percentage is the highest among active NCAA coaches. UVA's program is built on great recruiting and development. 29 Cavaliers that have played for O'Connor and Kevin McMullen have made it to the big leagues. Let's welcome Brian O'Connor to the podcast. Yeah, it's... uh. It's been a
1: good spot, though, Ryan, 20 years, you know, know. So, do you consider it home now? I mean, do you, do you oh, consider yeah, it? Geez. I, you know, I mean, I, I guess, you know, not really. I still say I'm going home when I go back to Council Bluffs, but, yeah. uh, you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is all my kids know. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's weird for me to go back to Evansville and think about that I've lived outside of Evansville longer than I've I lived in Evansville. It's it's weird. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I have as I have as well, but uh, you know, since my mom's still back there, um, you know, it's still it's still home for me. Yeah. So
0: yeah. Here with Brian O'Connor, ABC Hall of Famer this year, but 839 wins in 20 seasons at Virginia, and we go way back to your Creighton days. So, Oak, oh, thanks for jumping on with me. Yeah, absolutely. It's an honor. Thanks for having me. Hey, who do you think had a bigger impact on your journey, Paul Maneri, Jim Henry, or your dad? Oh, well,
1: uh, thanks for asking that. Um, you know, certainly they all had impacts, huge impacts on, on me as a, as a coach, but more so as a man, uh, in, in different ways and different stages, Ryan, you know, uh, certainly my father growing up, one of three boys in Council Plus Iowa, and just, uh, you know, the lessons that we learned, I'm, I'm so grateful for, you know, learning great lessons from him, like, like hard work, you know, that, um, you know, what it takes to be successful from a work standpoint and, you know, just, just one lesson after another, you know, my father was my little league baseball coach and, and, you know, just learned so much from him, uh, more so how to, how to be a man and how to be accountable to what you do. And then, you know, he, he passed the baton to Jim Hendry, um, who was my college coach and just, uh, you know, Jim got me to believe in myself uh, more than I thought that I was capable of and, you know, watching him be the leader and the architect of our program at Creighton and just all the the lessons that I learned from him about how to compete, how to win, how to be a great teammate, um, you know, and then, you know, Jim, you know, kind of got me into uh, college coaching Although Jack Dom gave me my first start uh, in coaching, hired me as his pitching coach when he was the head coach at Creighton, I'm forever grateful to Jack for that. And then, um, you know, certainly Paul Maneri bringing me over from Creighton to Notre Dame and, you know, sitting next to Paul Maneri, the office next to him for nine years and, you know, working with him uh, to develop the Notre Dame program and have the best program that we can possibly have and just to you know every day multiple times to be able to walk into his office and ask him questions and him tell me how to do things and do the right do it the right way as the leader of a college baseball program um, is it was just uh, I'm so I'm so grateful for that and then you know, the connection, Ryan, that I still have with those guys, Jim Hendry was in Charlottesville two weeks ago to spend three days because his son is on my my staff here in his third year with us here at Virginia. And, you know, just talked to Paul Maneri two days ago and talked to him all the time, all year round and uh, maintaining those relationships and those connections that, you know, I share that with young coaches all the time, how important that is to be you know think about and be grateful for the the men that you've been exposed to as a player and throughout your career and maintaining those uh connections with those individuals.
0: Are you trying to fill that role for your players?
1: Oh for sure, you know, um you know, I got the nicest text message yesterday from a player that um you know, said that he listened to my talk uh, recorded talk through the ABCA videos in the, at the 2016 convention, where i talked about influence and the influence that people have in molding you, not only to the coach you are, but the man you are. And I just got a beautiful text message from this former player. And, you know, when you receive those things or, you know, uh, a player's career's over, they come back and, and they're grateful and thankful for the opportunity, not just the opportunity they had, but the also, you know, the the lessons that they learned. And, you know, Ryan, that that's what this thing's about. The wins are great, uh, the losses are tough. Uh, you know, the championships are great. But, you know, first and foremost, you know, why I do what I do is number one, I'd tell you it's I I love to educate and develop winners and and prepare them for life. I just know that if we do that every day through through baseball that, you know, sure, will some of them play in the major leagues? Yes. Will we we have opportunities to win championships? Yes. But ultimately our responsibility is to turn them into great young men Uh, that they can be successful for the rest of their life. And uh, that's what I take the most pride in.
0: We probably need that more in society now than ever, right? Positive male voices. You don't see as many positive male voices out there now. And I think that's on all of us to to show that to the up and coming generation is, okay, this is how you are a man. It's not always going to be easy, but this is kind of the path that you're going to have to take if you do want to be a good man in the society
1: well thanks for sharing that with me about uh one week ago i i gave that talk to our players after our conditioning workout that you know uh, our responsibility as men and and what does that look like right that um you know we need to stand up and and do the right things right we're all counting on each other you know and it i shared with the players that the lessons that they can learn from just even a conditioning activity and doing it the right way. And I said, hey, when your time as a player is done, you're going to be a father or you're going to be running a business or a team or whatever it is, and you're the provider, right? And, you know, when when you're the provider to your family and people look to you or in your company or whatever it is, that's a ton of responsibility, but it's a responsibility that you got to run to and welcome and not shy away from it because you can't just back down. You can't not do your responsibility. And, and I, I feel like, you know, through coaching, we have the opportunity to teach those lessons, Ryan. And, and um, I, I'm grateful that we have that opportunity.
0: Saw so you pregame briefly last year at the College World Series. And I always think about you guys when you're in that moment. How, do, how are you able to keep your emotions in check in that type of environment?
1: Well, um, fortunately, we've had the opportunity to go there a few times. So there's lessons learned over the years. Our our first opportunity in 2009 here at Virginia, it was a whirlwind, you know. And you're trying to figure it out as a young coach, as as the leader of the program. How do you how do you handle and manage that situation? Not not necessarily for yourself, but but for your players, right? Because they look to you for direction on how you carry yourself on the biggest stage, and so. You know, what, I, what I've learned over the years is that, first and foremost, how incredibly hard it is to get there to Omaha, right? We all know how challenging that is, but that when you get there, this is your opportunity to you have a chance to to win it, right? And everything you've done all year long from every conditioning session, every practice, whatever it might be, has led to this opportunity and to go out there and play loose and enjoy the moment uh, because there is a lot going on, there is a lot at stake, and that you've earned the right to do this, and so-called the the haze in the barn right now, we just got to go out and execute, and hopefully execute better than the other, the other club and the other dugout.
0: Is this the best time for Division I baseball as far as talent and coaching? It just seemed like every matchup this year was a heavyweight matchup. On both sides of the bracket, it just seemed like there was just heavyweight matchups all over the place.
1: It is Ryan. I I think we're at a just a, a great time in college baseball, right? I mean, you think about the investments that are made across this country and facilities and coaching staff. The fact that we are able to push through getting the third paid assistant, you know, we're we're gaining ground, you know, and um, you know the the crowds. We sold out our last five games in our stadium last year. We had the largest. Uh, attendance for a year that we've ever had at the University of Virginia. And you're seeing that all over college baseball and, and um, you know, it's pressing the coaches up where um, you know, it's just the the competition level on the field between the coaches and the players are at the absolute highest level. And uh, you know, there's many people including yourself and the ABCA and coaches over the years that have worked so hard in um, times, we've felt like it's it's up against us and, you know, we're not getting a lot of help, but, you know, co- college baseball coaches continue to per, uh, press forward and are going to find a way to make our product uh, the best that it can be. And so it's an awesome time in college baseball right now.
0: And the ACC, too. I mean, I think about the ACC right now from top to bottom. There are no easy weekends in in your guys' league. When you run through your schedule, there's no easy weekends.
1: There's not. And that's that's what's great, though. You know, that's 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 why the players come to play in a league like the ACC is, you know, every weekend that you have to bring it. And it's the best competition. And, you know, as a coach and a player that if you don't play your best baseball in one of those 30 game league games, you play, you lose the ball game. There's no gimmies. And um, that's awesome. That's what you want. And what that what that then allows is the players to really find out how good they can be. You know, the better our competition is, uh, the, the the better we can be. And we find out um, how great we can be as an individual player and, and as a team. And that's what you should want. You should want to be challenged every day at the highest level.
0: I wish you would have stayed at Notre Dame longer because then Ryan Zimmerman and Sean Doolittle would have ended up at James Madison.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, both of those two guys, Zim and and du, were both recruited by JMU. Uh, for, we're we're fortunate they landed here at Virginia, and certainly those two guys, as as many others, have had you know uh, great success in this uniform and have been cornerstones of this program. And what they did after their time here is just remarkable. And both retired now, but, um, really, really proud of what they were able to accomplish.
0: Yeah. I talked to Lee Banks, so he's going to be on here and, uh, just the amount of players that Lee has had come through there, but we talked about just, they're, they're good people too. And they like to work like that. That's a thing. It's like, they have the, the elite talent, but then they're also willing to, to invest the time to get better as players too.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, there's one thing we all know that, you know, talent's important, but it's, um, uh, you know it comes down to how much do you want to sacrifice how much do you want to work you know every day do you do you get out of bed and tell yourself you're going to get better today and and those those elite players they have skill certainly but they they have something that separates themselves from from most and and um you know we've been fortunate here at Virginia to have many of those guys and it's part of the so-called culture that uh, we're very very proud of here yeah
0: there was a really good article on your website, just the amount of guys that have played in the world series that, that played at Virginia. So it's yeah. a really good article. And Brandon Geyer was on the podcast with me. So he, he's done a really good job in that space. So I'm happy for Brandon too. And there's a guy that, that worked his way into what he was too.
1: Oh, there's no question. I mean, Brandon Geyer was in our first recruiting class here 20 years ago. He was actually the first player that I went to go see at the Commonwealth games, um, it, two weeks after I was hired as the coach of Virginia, went down to the Commonwealth Games and saw Brandon Geyer play and said, we, we've got to have that guy. And it was the f- first in-home visit that I did as a coach here at Virginia and certainly had a great career here and went on to the major leagues to have a great career as well. And just really proud of what he's doing now. Uh, in baseball and in you know development of, of people and mindset that it takes to be not only successful in baseball but it's successful in life and we brought brandon on to be part of our coaching staff a year ago he's in a, he's in his second year with us as a sports mental performance coach for our team and is doing a great job with our guys
0: you know, you've always done a good job of recruiting, but also developing players, too. Is there a little bit of Jim Henry in that, too? Because Jim had elite players, a Creighton didn't, but he did a good job of pushing them to try to get the most out of them.
1: Yeah, well, that's something I learned from Jim is first it starts with player acquisition, right? Who do you acquire and and it starts with talent, right? You you got to have skill and eye for skill and eye for development and projection for guys to get better and uh one of the great things I learned from Jim Hendry is he was he was able to acquire talent and then when you get that talent, you got to you got to coach him. And uh part of Coaching is not only certainly what you're doing every day in practice, but more important than that, to, to me, it's how do you talk to them? How do you motivate them, right? How do you get them to believe that they are better than they think they are? That's what Jim gave me, right? He challenged me as a player, and he believed that I was better than what I was giving and so that's a that's a talent of a coach, a really important skill and talent to uh, uh, to develop young men. And um, I learned that firsthand from Jim and have been able to take that and pass it on to the guys that I've uh, been in charge of.
0: And we're so fortunate in this area with the amount of teams that we have. And I went over a couple of years. You guys are practicing at Wake before your series and you, you did a good job. You kept your guys accountable. They needed a reset because they were just kind of rolling it out there. And you pulled them off, you talked to them, and then you went back to it. But I, lo- I love that part, and that's why I still love going to watch practice because I was like, okay, that's a Jim Brownlee, Jim Hen- Jim Henry move. Like, okay, it's not going great. Let's address it, and then let's reset and get back to it.
1: Well, it, it, Ryan, you know this. It comes back to accountability, right? Um, great players want to be held to a really high standard. And our jo- job as leaders is – Uh, it's it's not about winning the game. It's about the everyday, what is our approach every day and holding them to a really high standard. And when we don't see them carrying themselves to that standard, we need to talk about it and we need to address it and we need to get, you know, going back in the right direction for what it takes uh, to be successful. And then what happens is when, when, that standard is set, and you hold people accountable to it. Well, then the wins come that are commensurate with what your skill level.
0: I mean, how do you keep your edge every year? It'd be very easy for you to get complacent, but you're averaging over 40 wins a season. How do you keep your edge?
1: Oh, I, like I, I just—I I, first and foremost, I love building something. I love—I love making something better, right? And we have an opportunity every day. Uh, to to make things better, and, and I'll t- I'll tell you the day that that I feel like if I'm getting complacent and I'm content with what we're doing, uh, then this is no longer the the job for me. I can tell you that. But I I get out of bed every day excited to impact our players, impact our program. You know, uh, all the wins are great. Sure, we've won a national championship, but. You know, we're we're going out recruiting every day, developing players every day and developing our team every day to get ourselves back to Omaha to to work towards getting another national championship. And and I just first and foremost, I, I just love making it better, you know, and I, I I love getting up every day and saying, how can we make this program and this team the best that it can be?
0: Do you have a decompress after the season to try to reset, to get ready for the next one? Do you give yourself some time? And no, know it's hard with getting on the road and recruiting because you feel like you get behind, especially as long as you guys play where you feel like you might be behind recruiting a little bit. Do you have anything that helps you kind of reset for the next year?
1: Well, I, I'll tell you, I, I do one thing. I, I I don't take any time right after the season because it's right in the midst of recruiting. We need to get out there and, and get after it and prepare for the future. Uh, but I do when when I travel or things like that. I do take some time to reflect. Uh, you know, I I keep a lot of notes and um, you know think reflect on last year. What did we do great? First of all, you know, uh, in our preparation, in our everyday, what, what do we do in practice? What do we what what did we do great? And what did we learn from that we can improve on, right? And I keep all those notes over, over the years and try to repeat the things that I feel like we did great and change the things that that need to be changed. And so, you know, there's a little bit of reflection time on that with regards to the program and how it's run. And also personally, I, I do, you know, take some reflection time to remind myself of why do I do what, what I do? And I think it's important for all of us, whether you're a baseball coach or something else, to reflect and and think about why do you do what you do because it gives you purpose, right? And um, so do a little bit of that in the summer, but then really kind of you know Thanksgiving until you know the convention every year is the time of the year that you do get to decompress a little bit, spend time with the family. Uh, reflect a little bit. And so that's my time of the year when when I get to really uh, put a pen to paper and really think about some things and and, um, you know, get ready to go for the for the next year.
0: Are you spoiled with your staff? You can probably keep a smaller staff than some others, right? Because you have a lead of the elite with those those three other guys where they just have been able to do a lot and are really good at their jobs.
1: Yeah, they're, they're really great. I am spoiled, you know, certainly Kevin McMullen starts with him that the fact that he's been, you know, with me every step of the way here at Virginia, he's starting on his 21st season as well. And, uh, I believe is the best hitting coach in America an outstanding recruiter and, and just feel so fortunate, Ryan, that, um, uh, him and I have had the office side by side for 20 years and, and uh, just a great molder of young men. And, and, uh, you know, Drew Dickinson, our pitching coach has now been with us for five years and our, our pitching numbers over the last three or four years are really, really remarkable. And he does an excellent job in, in the development part and getting our guys to win for the university of Virginia while preparing them for the next level. And, you know, Matt Kirby, has he's on his 13th year with us and he's now taken over the recruiting coordinator title on our staff and he's been very very loyal because of the work done by college baseball coaches and the abca he now gets benefits and gets a full salary and everything so i'm excited for him and all the you know third assistants out there in college baseball and they're all very very deserving you know our trainer's been with me for 20 years so Um, You know, our our staff is a staff of 12 people that helps our guys with operations, people, strength coach, sports performance coach right on down the line. And so, um, you know, when you have elite level coaches, um, you know, you have to give them autonomy in their job, whether it be a strength coach or a trainer or a hitting coach, a pitching coach. Uh, You know, if you're going to keep them around and they're going to continue to be motivated, not being content. You have to allow them to do their job. And that's something I learned from Paul Maneri, that if you want great people to stay and them to be motivated, continue to work hard, you got to motivate them by allowing them to do their job. And I feel so, so fortunate to have been with Paul for nine years that he gave me a lot of autonomy in my job and and was part of what helped me prepare to be successful in this position at Virginia.
0: You've done a great job of adding to the facility, too. I mean, was, was that your vision? I mean, you showed up. Davenport's a great stadium in itself, but then was like, okay, we could probably put a pavilion in left center. I used to show my admins at Western Illinois every year. I'm like, we can cut those trees down and put a, a party deck in left center. Virginia's got it. Was that kind of yeah. your vision? Because it's a great stadium as is, but then it's like, okay, we need to do this, we need to do this. You know, that's part of your vision as well, correct?
1: Oh, a hundred percent, Ryan. It's all connected, you know. I believe to be a successful college baseball coach at the highest level, certainly it takes recruiting talent, it takes developing them, it takes a great staff, it takes fans, it takes donors. You know, it, t- it it takes a lot, but the development of your facility is a key part of it as well. And, you know, I, I walk out on this field here and always have a smile on my face because I'm so proud of what has been done here, not for what I've done or our staff has done here, but how many people have been involved in making this happen? You know, our stadium now seats 6,000 people. There's, you know, been over 30. 35 million dollars put in it in the last 20 years and uh you know to think about that this place is sold out for regionals and super regionals and the great fan support. It, it it takes all of it. And what we try to do every year is do something at the facility for our fans to make it better for them and more attractive to them. And then that has a trickle down. It trickles down to recruiting when they see games on television in a full stadium, or they walk on this field and see that, you know, essentially they're seating up op- options all the way around 360 in this stadium where fans can can watch the game and so it's important in many ways and we've done a terrific job uh with that our our donors our fans our our university has completely supported it from day one
0: how do you balance that with your players where you you're going to have to talk about the tradition and the history of things but then also get on to the present journey that that we're going to embark on this season yeah,
1: you know, that uh, that's fun. I I, I, I enjoy that. Um, you know, I, I do enjoy talking to the team about who has come before them. You know, it's funny you asked that, Ryan. Is is two weeks ago we started something that every day we put up a page in the locker room, then we send it to them via our group meeting that's how we communicate with our team. And the and we have a one pager called Former Cavalier Great. And it's a picture of a former Cavalier, what they accomplished at Virginia, what they if they played professional baseball, what they accomplished. And it's to teach our players the the history of our program and gives them pride in the great players that wore this uniform for them before them. And so I think that's important. You know, that said, you know, it's a new year. It's a new team that doesn't guarantee you wins because of who's played you know here in the past or the success that the team before you has had every year it's it's earned and it's a new opportunity for these guys this year the 2024 team to make their legacy at the university of virginia
0: does steven shock get a page
1: yeah (laughs) shock has not been up on that page yet he's got Um, some work to do yeah, he's 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 got some work to do, but he's coming. You know, he's uh he's uh, he's, he's doing a lot right now. Baseball. I love it.
0: I love it that that we have just a, a distinct voice. He hasn't been that far removed from playing, so he still kind of relates to the players. I love that we have have kind of a dedicated area to showcase kind of the the lighthearted fun side of baseball too for the players.
1: Well, there's no question, Ryan, because you know that that, that that's a big part of it yes. for these guys, yes. right? I mean, they get this one opportunity, whether it be two, three, four years, to be a college baseball player, and yes, it's serious. We all take it very seriously, but it's it's surrounded by a lot of fun and should be fun. And so they, they they need to enjoy every day that they're out there being a college baseball player because it goes as you and I know, it goes by pretty quick. And, you know, some of the fondest memories that I have as as wearing a baseball uniform was as a player at Creighton University and the friendships and the memories and the and the fun we had every day uh with each other and trying to be the best we can. So
0: We got on a roll at Western when my players, we had two bullpen relievers that would do like a professional wrestling style promo for that day's game. Like, and it just, you know, I I think about that sometimes, like how Jim Brownlee would handle that, where you shut that down, but you can't like it, it let them, it let their personalities come out and they weren't disrespectful to the opponent. They just were having fun with it. And we started to play better because I think they were able to kind of let their personality show for the upcoming game.
1: Well, yeah, it, you know, I think that's an important part of it, and we do a lot of that here. And every year, it's a little bit different, right? And so you have to let each t- each player and each team's personality to come out, and it, it, you don't want it to be scripted as a coach. You want it to be about what they're about, you know. And again, this is their experience. You and I have had the experience, right? Um, it's it's their window. Of opportunity to be a college baseball player, and you want them to enjoy every minute of it.
0: What do you feel like from upcoming Division One legislation needs to get buttoned up to continue to grow? Oh uh,
1: wow! Well, I think uh, I think first and foremost is that we you know we get our we get our roster figured out right. Um, you know, what is the cap and the amount of players? I think personally, I think 40 is a good number. You know, I I, I just don't believe that that we should have a, a minimum scholarship and certain countable scholarship players. There's not any other sports to, that do this. And, you know, with all the things that are going on in college athletics, the transfer portal, NIL, uh, you know, everything with that. I think flexibility uh, to put a roster together with where the Major League Baseball draft is now in the middle of July. You know, there's just a lot of moving factors. I think getting a, a roster set and how we manage that uh, for me is is number one for us pushing forward. You know, we've accomplished television, getting on television more more often you know got we got the third assistance. our facilities are continuing to grow all the time you know i just think you know setting the stage of you know what does college baseball look like from a team and roster standpoint uh, and another thing is i i'd love to be able to play a couple more fall baseball exhibitions you know i think the addition of the 2 is great right you, you know back when We're you know we played games
0: we're yeah, you can play twenty, 20
1: games. games in the fall, right? You know, and that was great for development and building a team and everything. I know we'll never get back to that point, but the two that we do get is awesome. I think we, if we could add a couple of more, um, it would just enhance the experience uh,
0: that the young men have. Would you, before having to name your roster as soon as school starts in the fall? Yeah, I would have no problem with that. I, I think I mean, it adds have... some. Ba- I think it brings some balance back.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, we, we have 38 players on our roster this year. I know we're allowed to have 40. Uh, 38's the most we've ever had here as the coach here at Virginia. And so I, I would be fine with, you know, I think that would probably clean some things up. Uh, you know, setting that, that roster prior to the uh, first day of classes could be something that potentially could help uh, all of college baseball.
0: I just think any legislation, it's more of guardrails. I don't like the term legislation. It's more you got to give people guardrails just to, yeah. to to keep them in check on things. And I just think that's what good legislation is. It just gives some guardrails to give everybody a, a fighting chance.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and um, you know, so it's just it's hard to know what exactly the right thing to do is. But I think some of those things are the right thing to do for all of college baseball.
0: Does it feel different for you going into the ABC Hall of Fame when you're still coaching?
1: Yeah, I it, tell you what, I was, right. I was blown away, right? You shouldn't uh, be, though,
0: when you look at your note like you yeah. shouldn't be.
1: I don't know. I mean, being 52 years old, and I know age doesn't nec- should necessarily have anything to do with it, but like I, I was, you know, when Craig Kylitz called me, I was, I was blown away, you know, that, um, you know, a group of coaches thought that enough of what's been accomplished um, here at the University of Virginia, in, in a career, uh, just um, I, I'm so excited to to go to Dallas and be there with my family, and you know, and all the coaches that have been by my side, and I, I look at it, Ryan, as it's a it's a tribute to. Uh, you know, the coaches that have worked right alongside of me, you know, this, this hall of fame is every bit as much, you know, Kevin McMullens and Drew Dickinson and Matt Kirby and Carl Kuhn, and, you know, right on down the line, all these people that have been uh, by my side, it's a, it's a tribute to what, what they've accomplished. And so uh, it's a, it's a special group, you know, a uh, hall of fame is, and uh, I just, I, I just can't say enough about how honored I am. And, uh, you know, I know I'll have seven minutes to talk when I'm up there. And uh, and that's that's why I started
0: minute. these, because I'm like, they only get like five minutes. Like they need to be able okay. to tell their story, which you're just not going to be able to get to in that amount of time. And that's why I started these, you know, four years ago, because I just want to pay tribute to all of our Hall of Fame members, all of our award winners. And they've been some of my favorite ones, too
1: yeah well i i appreciate you doing it and i know the other coaches do as well and and um certainly it'll be an emotional night for me and and just thinking about all the people that have had an impact and have influenced me into how i how i coach and how i lead a program and the, again those people that have been right by my side and and some of the biggest ones are are my family you know uh i mean you know this the sacrifice that uh family makes your children make your wife makes uh to to be in this incredible profession um you know they they know that you know i might have 3 at home uh our own children but you know this year i have i feel like we have 38 of um, you know, our own children as well on this field every day. And and that's how we approach it. And the sacrifices that are made uh, to help these young men be the best they can be is I'm very, very thankful and grateful for all those sacrifices that people do make.
0: How gratifying is it as a parent to, to see your kids out doing well? I mean, Ellie was in the office with us for a little bit when I first got here and to see what she's doing and how gratifying is that as a parent to see what your kids are doing?
1: Well, it's it's uh, it's very gratifying that, um, you know, every night, you you know, that every night at the supper table that you talked about the right things, um, that you taught the right lessons at home. Very similar lessons that we teach the young men that wear a uniform. And then, you know, you just want to help your children um, see the world the right way, make the best possible decisions, work hard, um, sacrifice for the things that you want in life. And so when you see you know ellie off and her career and doing what she's doing at the university of florida and our daughter maggie's a a fourth year here at uva and she's going to graduate from the engineering school and our son dylan is the last one at home and he's a high school junior and aspiring baseball player that'll go on to play college baseball and and um you know in in two short years ryan will cindy and i will be you know on our own i mean we'll always have them but um you know, the house will be empty and other than the holidays. And, and so, you know, that's what you want. You want to help, help your children, uh, to eventually stand on their own two feet and fight for what they want in life.
0: What's your favorite book behind you of all those books behind oh you? What's gosh, your favorite book? T-
1: let, let me tell you my new favorite book. All right. Jump on okay. it. Yep. All right. There's a lot of them behind me. This is my new favorite book. This is by Brian Johnson, okay? This is going to be released in 7 days. Yeah. Okay?
0: Um and Brandon Geyer talks about Arate.
1: Yes. This is um this is a must have, okay? Uh-huh. Um, not only the book, Brian Johnson has an app, okay, that's called Heroic. Yeah. And um I cannot promote this Enough. I've never met Brian Johnson. I've done my research on him and who he influences. But there is an app out there called Heroic that is the best app as a coach that I have ever seen. I wish Brian would start has started this app 20 years ago. Okay, but um, it is amazing. I would encourage any coach to check out heroic brian johnson this is an awesome book it's uh you know there's there's short stories lessons that are either one two four pages long in it and the app is amazing i mean this guy has read 650 books about you know leadership team development motivation sleep um, uh, nutrition whatever it is that we deal with as coaches and has essentially written cliff notes for each book. So you can go in and read his cliff notes. Those cliff notes are anywhere from six to 12 pages long about the lessons within the book. And, uh, you know, I, I've had the app on my phone for about three weeks. And I just absolutely love it. And I impress, impress upon anybody that's a coach, that's a leader uh, to get dialed into this thing.
0: Love it. Cause that helps my personal development too. And that's why I always ask questions like that. Cause it's for the listener, but it's also for me personally, trying to continue to grow as a, as a person with that part of it. So what about your time management? Obviously you've got a a stressful schedule. How do you keep yourself on task personally?
1: Well, I'm, I'm, I'd I'd tell you that people that uh, work with me and my family would attest to this. I'm a little bit of a, organization freak, you know um, you know I've you know I've got lists of what I'm gonna do every day and and um, you know for me to stay on point because you're being pulled from all different directions and you want to be great at, at, at all of it for your program to be as successful as possible and personally in your, in your family life uh, to, to be successful. You know, I'm 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 a pretty organized and detailed guy, and and um, you know what I'm going to accomplish that day, what needs to get done that week. I actually, from an organizational standpoint, I keep everything on my phone. You know, uh, I keep uh, in my notes, and um, you know, it's worked for me. And I used to be a you know, a handwritten planner. And since everything's went so digital, I've been able to transition and, and it keeps me on point and, and keeps me organized with what I need to do to uh, pr- push this program forward.
0: How do you learn how to say no to certain things though? Cause you can't yeah. say yes to everything. How do you learn to say no to certain things?
1: Well, I've, I've learned uh, two, two things. If it's, uh, if it's going to impact my family. Okay. Uh, I, I need to say no, right? Um, that said, does this event, does what, is what I'm doing going to make our program better? Now, sometimes we know that you might have to miss something with the family if it's truly going to make your program better. But I always ask myself, you know, if I commit to do this or I go do that or spend time on this, Is it making our program better? Is it helping the experience that the young men have in our uniform? And that's what drives decisions every day of where I'm going to invest my time is, is it going to make our program better? And does this, is this the right thing for my family?
0: What are some final thoughts before I let you go or any other shout outs you want to give out before I let you go?
1: Yeah, I just, you know, first I'd like to, you know, I addressed, some of the coaches that have influenced me and you know certainly my family and you know the list is long of of people that have worked side by side with me over the years and I'm just um you know grateful to to those those people and um you know and I just coaching is an amazing career you know I never I I didn't really know, Ryan, what I was getting into. I was with the Philadelphia Phillies at the time playing and, and Jack Dom offered me this opportunity to get into coaching. And, you know, that decision was easy for me because, you know, I, I sat there and said, I want to do for other young men, what Jim Hendry, what Todd Winberg, my pitching coach, uh, the influence Elvis Dominguez had on me, um, you know, I, I want to influence young men like those gentlemen inf- influenced me. And that's what got me into it. And it got me hooked quickly, you know, uh, because I just, I love the work. Um, I love investing the time to make it better. But every day, I love, you know, making a difference and, you know, not only in the program and making it better, but making a difference in young men's lives. And, the way they think and the way they approach things and um you know because of the influence that other people have had on me and um it's been a great coaching career there's a lot of years left um, a, lot. a lot of influence uh, shout left.
0: out to keith gutton keith is yeah. finally retired i didn't think coach gutton would ever retire but shout out to coach gutton
1: yeah you know and uh, i remember competing against coach gutton as a player you know, uh, playing against them in the Missouri Valley Conference and what a great coach that he is. And uh, it's just an it's an awesome profession. And, um, you know, I'm just so thankful and grateful for the people that have had that influence on my life. And and, uh, you know, I'm excited to go out on that field today and have an opportunity again to influence young men and the way they think and Uh, the way they approach things. So, Ryan, really appreciate you having me on. Big thanks to the ABCA for everything that the uh, association does for all of our coaches. And I know we talk about coaches, but really what it does is it ultimately impacts the young men that wear all of our uniforms, right? And uh, I know we call it the coaches association, but it's partly the players association because these things that happen ultimately in influence their experience. So, um, just thankful. Yeah. To we're be. trying to
0: weave the whole baseball community together. I feel like that's one of my responsibilities is from pro on down to moms and dads or players, young players. I think we're trying to weave the entire baseball community together.
1: Well, y'all are doing a great job with it. Keep it up. And I'm looking forward to seeing everybody in Dallas. And, uh, again, thanks again. It's truly an honor to be a part of this very, very prestigious group and um, uh, looking forward to seeing everybody that first weekend in Dallas.
0: Thanks for your time, Brian. Thank you. I have a lot of respect for Brian O'Connor and the UVA program. They've built a perennial powerhouse. For those of us that have been around the college game for a long time, know how hard it is to build a sustainable program. Congrats again to Coach O'Connor on going into the ABCA Hall of Fame. It's a well-deserved honor. Thanks again to Jim Richardson, John Litchfield, Zach Hale, Matt West, and Antonio Walker in the ABC office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at CoachB underscore abca, or direct message me via the MyABC app. This is Ryan Brownley signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks and leave it better for those behind you. And the world keeps on turning and your life.